Hour of Flames Talk and welcome to the Scotiabank Saddledome. Steinberg and Aaron Vickers of NHL.com. It is a Thursday, October 26th, and we've got lots to get to this hour. Daily Flames Roundtable will hit on an NHL debut Thursday night. Congratulations to Ilya Solovyov, who will make his NHL debut Thursday against the St. Louis Blues. Flames Talk available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts and Vicks. Flames uh, getting set for game eight of their regular season, and they're still mixing and matching. We don't know exactly what the lines are going to look like for Thursday's matchup against the Blues. They held a full morning skate Thursday morning, but did not show lines or pairings. Uh, We saw some, you know, regular individual drills, and we saw some special teams drills, but we did not see lines and pairings for this game. But there was one thing that everyone was buzzing about. Now, we don't know if it's going to go this way, but I don't think it would surprise us if it went this way. And that is the potential of running a line with Elias Lindholm in the middle, Nazem Kadri on the right, and Jonathan Huberdo on the left. Uh, again, they didn't run lines, so we don't know. I'll definitely be keeping an eye on that when the two teams hit the ice just because they were all wearing the same colors of jersey. Uh, there were six forwards in white on Thursday morning. Three were Manjapani, Backlund, and Coleman. The other three were Kadri. Huberdo and Lindholm and they spent a good chunk of time together in the third period Tuesday against the New York Rangers so Vix I'm just curious if that's something that we're going to see as you said as we were getting ready for today's Flames talk um all is it is is that an idea is that is that the whole idea of loading up with Kadri, Huberdo, and Lindholm. Should they go this way? Do you think this is a good idea if the Flames do decide to go down that road? I'm all for it because if you're Coach Ryan Huska and at times throughout this season in third periods when the Calgary Flames have needed a jolt, we've seen him default back to a shift here, a shift there of that combination, that trio. And if you're confident in that group look, trying to give your team a spark late in a game, why not give them more runway, put all three of them together? I don't think each individually has blown the doors off of the season so far through seven games. So why not bring them all together? Put I don't want to necessarily even call it putting all your eggs in one basket because the fact is that you still have the de facto uh, line of Mangiapane, Backlund, Coleman, which continues to be you know, game in, game out, your best line. I have no problems with stripping some of your center depth and the Calgary Flames 1-2-3 in theory on paper, yada, 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 are a very deep team down the middle. But I am all for putting those three players together if you believe an extended look can help cure some of your offensive woes because to be perfectly honest, the Calgary Flames are having massive issues scoring. These are your three quote-unquote premier offensive talents. Yep. Why not load them up? So 
I'll give you my thoughts in a second, but first uh, a little bit from some people who were asked about it on on Thursday ahead of this game against the St. Louis Blues. First of all, uh, credit to uh, Flames Talk fam member Wes Gilbertson. He tried with head coach Ryan Huska. We uh, saw it. We've seen a little bit, like in the preseason, just for Atkins and the left forwards. The other night, we saw Kadri and Mitchell on the ice. We have in, in prior games too, we've used the, the three of them together actually. So we'll, we'll see. It's something that we can look at. Okay. So um, the coach not tipping any hands. It's there. something we can look at. Uh, coach not telling us if that's the way he's going to go. Uh, and uh, Wes also asked uh, Nazem Kadri about playing the wing and if he's comfortable in doing so. I am, yeah. I've, uh, I've played lots of wing throughout my career, so uh, like, like I mentioned before, I mean, just try to be uh, kind of like a, a Swiss Army knife and just play wherever's needed and, you know, um, especially when you're playing with some great players, I think it makes it a little easier for you and, uh, you know, you got some smart players out on the ice with you, so for me, nothing changes. My game doesn't change, but uh, I'm comfortable either or. So we don't know if that's the way they're going to go, but we have seen a steady dose at times this season of Ryan Huska and the Flames deciding to load up a little bit with Kadri Huberdeau and Lindholm on the same line. A lot of times it'll be after a penalty kill or on an icing or something like that. But offensive zone starts. Offensive yeah. zone starts, right? But is that something we see Thursday night against the St. Louis Blues? Well, I used to be very against the idea. I used to be very anti this idea because I'll give our text line, I'll give our Flames Talk post-game callers a lot of credit. A lot of people have been bringing this up going back to like a month into last year when it became clear things were not working perfectly and there were some scoring issues with this team and I shot it down all the time. I said no. Uh, I don't, not like I make the decisions. No, not, I thought you were orchestrating it behind the scenes. Well, I am now, okay. but not not at the time. No, I. But in my opinion, it was like no, I disagree because, and my reasoning was that I just felt like the strength of this team is their depth, and the strength of their this team is their ability to go one, two, three down the middle with Lindholm, Backlund, and Kadri in whatever order they decide to go in, and and I was really strong on that. So, it, you know, I would suggest. All of last year, if anybody brought that up, I would say, no, I disagree. I don't think they should do that. Well, I'll, I'll sing a different tune a year later. We're seven games into this season. They've scored four times in these last three games. Offense remains a struggle for this team, and their big guns aren't firing right now. Huberdeau has cooled off. Kadri's had trouble picking up points. So it is hard for your depth to be a strength when your top players aren't pulling their offensive weight, aren't producing the way they need to. So you can't have depth be a strength if you don't have elite players. Like They don't have the superstar players that other teams do, but they still have guys that are at the top of their depth chart. And when the guys at the top of this depth chart aren't putting up points, the depth just kind of becomes meh. And so if this is a way to get their top players and their biggest offensive producers going a little bit more, then yeah, for the first time, I'm all for it. I'll change my tune on that. I'll say that um, I was, uh, I don't know if I was wrong or not, but I definitely am a whole lot more. I've changed my opinion on it with what I've seen so far to start this year. That's that's how I would uh, phrase it. I just, I, I think that 
it's probably time to give something like that a shot. A lot of people had wondered maybe if you go Kadri in the middle, Lindholm on the right. Um, maybe it's Lindholm in the middle, Kadri on the right, which is what we saw in the third period and what we've seen a lot of times so far uh, this season. But yeah, I'm definitely ready to give that a try and, and I'm definitely ready to change my tune on that conversation. To me, that's semantics a little bit because if the faceoffs on the left-hand yeah, side of enough. the ice, it's going to be whoever's on their strong side. If it's on the right it's going to be you know Lindholm on his back and so on and when you're coming into the zone it's not like the left winger has to come down the left side center has to come down the middle right guy has to come down the right side like you can freelance a little bit now I don't know if this is a concern per se that I have in loading up this top line and you mentioned it a little bit but I don't know if I necessarily love the depth down the middle near as much if you do load up that top line particularly without Adam Rzichka in the lineup, who, again, can go down the middle or play left side. That leaves, to me, Dubé and Sharon Govich playing down the middle on your third and fourth lines. Yep. Now, having said that, you load up the top line. Your de facto second line is Manjapani, Backlund, Coleman. We all know what that line can do when they're together. Uh, the metrics speak for themselves. Then, if you're rolling out a Hunt-Dubé-Coronado situation, and I've really liked Greer, Sharon, Govich, Dewar together. So my concerns are a little bit alleviated when you look at what it would look like on paper because the fact of the matter remains, Flames have only scored more than two goals in a game twice this season. Two for seven. That's not going to win you a lot of games. And this might get the text line riled up a little bit, but the Calgary Flames expected goals leader this season, Nazem Kadri, 2.4. He has none. He, in fact, he only has one point in seven games. Number two, Jonathan Huberto at 2.2. So why not put your quote-unquote eggs in one basket Try to spark your expensive players, your highest paid players, your players that are paid to be the difference makers on your team. Put them together and see what you can get out of them. Because well, you're not getting much out of them right now. Uh, and I know that uh, I know that we've talked a lot about how not super enamored with the idea of seeing Lindholm and Kadri together again. And I I haven't liked that when Kadri's been the center, but. I'm a little more interested in it if we're talking about those three guys playing on a line together. And I'm not even saying you have to do this permanently, but if you do it for five, six games and it gets Kadri and it gets Huberdeau's offense going a little bit more, then maybe you can go back to the three guys we're talking about down the middle. And and if you've got, if that line finds something and now all of a sudden Lindholm, Huberdeau, Kadri are a good line together, well then I'm not as worried about the center depth because you still have Michael Backlund who, I'm sorry, a lot of people talk about him as, as being a really good number three center. He's a really good number two center on a lot of teams in this league and he's a really good number two center on this team, especially with that line constructed of Mangiapane and Coleman. That's not, to me, that's a second line on a lot of good teams, and it's a really important second line on this team. So I'm not as worried about it if you load up and it works. If it doesn't work, well then, I think it'll become pretty evident that you gotta go away from it after a few games, but at this point, you're not scoring. It's frustration that we're talking about kind of bubbling right at the top of this whole thing. If, if you're going to try something, it feels like now would be a pretty good time to do it. What kind of runway would you give this experiment? Would you give it a period? Would you give it three games? Would you give it five games? And this is going to vary. Your answer is probably going to vary depending on the level of success or degree of success that they're able to accomplish. But if you go through the first 20 minutes of the game Thursday night against the St. Louis Blues and you're not seeing anything, do you abandon it? Do you go back? Are you giving it three games? And if you see nothing, all right, we're still going to push it to five games. Like, are you willing to commit to this experiment for a definitive amount of time? I mean, 
if they're awful um, and if it doesn't work, then I'm willing to pull the shoot on it very quickly. Okay. Um, like I'm willing to give it two periods and then say, no, this isn't working. Let's like if it's clearly awful. But if it's okay and the team plays a better game against St. Louis and, and it's a more competitive game, I'm, I'm willing to keep, give it a, a few more games, even if that line in and of itself isn't perfect. If they are able to play better overall and they're not awful, then, yeah, give it a little bit of time to, to breathe and a little time to grow. Is this putting three guys together that have struggled to find chemistry with really anybody else? We know Jonathan Huberto's bounced around the lines. Lindholm and Toffoli last year obviously had a lot of chemistry, but Toffoli's not here right now. Kadri may be a little bit tougher to gauge in terms of the second line role with some of the line mates he's had. But is this trying to fit three guys together that just haven't found a natural fit somewhere else? Because to me, it's one, it kind of feels that way. But two, again, these are the guys that are paid to produce and they haven't been producing. So why not? Like, what's what's the worst that could happen by putting them together? Like, we've already kind of seen the the bad side of the production performance. Might as well see if you put them together, if they can spark each other out of this. I do want to play this from head coach Ryan Huska as well. When he spoke on Thursday morning, he was asked about Nazem Kadri, who has one point, zero goals, one assist in seven games so far this year. But the coach, pretty complimentary of what he's seeing of late from Kadri. I think Nas has to keep doing what he's doing. Like he's, when you look at our chances, the first seven games, he's got the most chances from all of our forwards. Like um, he's around it. And even when you look at our game, against New York. I thought he was our best forward. So there's a lot that Naz is doing really well. Um, and now it's just sticking with it and make sure every day he's trying to work on his game a little bit. And he's one of those type of players that when one goes in for him or, or things start going, they, they'll they'll come in bunches for him. So I'm not too worried about him because his work ethic has been good. And I will say that since the Columbus game, I've liked Kadri more. Now, you're the second highest paid player on the team. Being like looking better is good, but you still have to produce. And and so one point in seven games is not getting the job done. But to what you just heard from the head coach right there, at five on five, Nazem Kadri leads the Flames with eleven high danger scoring chances. He leads the team with twenty one scoring chances overall, um, and he sits fourth in individual shot attempts. He sits fourth in individual shots. So he, especially of late, has been much more around it and much closer to breaking through. When you take into consideration all situations, Kadri leads the team with 15 slot chances or high dangers and 31 scoring chances, period. So he has been, from an individual shot placement standpoint, the most dangerous or prolific player in that regard, but he is yet to be able to finish so far this season. And and I, I really thought he struggled and was almost a detrimental force at times in the first three or four games, but since the Columbus game, Columbus, then Detroit, and even the game against New York on Tuesday, I am starting to see some signs that Kadri's game is moving in the right direction. There are some numbers that make it sound even a little bit more positive. So you just hear that from the head coach. If if he can continue doing that, maybe we're not that far away from him breaking through. All of a sudden, he picks up four points in his next three games, and the conversation maybe gears down a little bit in terms of what or what not Kadri's bringing to the table. 
Well, yeah, you mentioned it. A lot of the underlying analytics don't spell doom and gloom for how Nazem Kadri has performed. And you laid out a few again. Money Puck has Kadri at 2.4 expected goals. That would lead the Flames. His on-ice expected goals for 56.5%. His actual 23.1. So that's that flip side isn't that great. And he leads the Flames with seven giveaways. That's not great. But I finally got around, Patrick, you'll be proud of me, to exploring that NHL Edge website. And in anticipation of this conversation, I wanted to see where Nazem Kadri kind of fit in through the NHL. And he's in the 94th percentile with eight high danger chances on goal. The average is three in the league. That's at five on five. Jumps to 98% when you consider all strengths. Like, there are underlying numbers that show Nazem Kadri is moving in the right direction. Just so happens that the argument is what's an expected goal? Show me real goals. Show me real points. And he's only got one through seven, and he's minus eight. A team worst minus eight. So when you layer the fancy stats, the analytics underneath or on top of the actual results, one tells one story, and the other tells a much different story. And those need to move. Well, the, the real stats, the actual stats, the goals, assists, points, and, and ultimately wins for the Calgary Flames need to move more to the underlying stats that show Nazem Kadri has had a positive impact. We're just not seeing the actuals of that right now in terms of resulting in goals, ultimately support for your goaltender, ultimately wins for the Calgary Flames. Let's uh, read some texts at 960-960. Is putting Kadri, Huberto, and Lindholm together just a ploy to try keeping Lindholm happy to get him signed? I, I don't... I don't think that would be the number one reason why Ryan Huska would do anything right now. He's trying to find wins. He's trying to find goals. He's trying to find chemistry. He's trying to find things that work right now. He's trying to make it so this team is a more competitive group and a more dangerous group than they have been for the last uh, four or five games here. So I I don't think that would be the reason. I think that it's a coach who's still looking to find combinations that work. And again, we don't know if it's going to go that way against the Blues. It's just something we're keeping an eye on, and definitely I think there's at the very least reason to be talking about it uh, as a potential for happening on this Thursday night. Well, as we were talking about potential recalls on Wednesday on Flames Talk, I was all for a recall if the situation called for it and loading up this top line, so I'm glad that this conversation has continued because I think it's worth experimenting. I don't... When the Calgary Flames had the best line in the league, it was their three best players. And let me preface what I'm about to say next by saying, I don't think if you put Huberto, Lindholm, and Kadri together, you're getting the NHL's best line. But you are, in theory, putting Calgary's best three players together. It worked once. Every other iteration of the lineup that we've seen, both last season and this season, with the exception of Coleman, Backlund, Mangiapane, hasn't found that traction. And so... This isn't necessarily a combination we've seen over longer since. Again, we've seen it uh, a shift here, a shift there, you know, a couple minutes here, a couple minutes there when the Calgary Flames are looking for a spark. If you think that group can spark your team so you put them together, why not put them together right from the drop of the opening part? Uh, this says Kadri's not paid to get chances. He gets paid to produce. Yep. Yes, and we said that. The, the underlyings are great. They tell a certain story, but they also need to start turning into production. Absolutely. But... All I'm saying is that 
the actual impact that he's making on the ice has been a little more positive the last three or three games or so than it was the first three or four games of the season. Um, this says, oh Lord, poor Lindholm. Kadri uh, and Huberdeau can only make things worse together. This says, I like the idea of loading up and finally finding an effective top line, but the bottom six leaves a lot to be desired now, and Kadri and Huberdeau ain't Gaudreau and Kachuk, so I'm not expecting anything close to what the 21-22 top line did that comes from mike welcome back mike it's been way too long um and and i think that there I, I don't think that it's ever going to be a situation where you find something like they had with lindholm kachuk and gaudreau i i don't that was such lightning a in a bottle perfect combination lightning in a bottle i just i i to expect a line like that is almost unrealistic especially with Calgary's personnel. You know, if you're talking about other teams with, with some higher-end names, sure. But when I, I – I'm never expecting I, – I don't compare anything that I see this season to what we saw that year, that's for sure. No, it was quite literally the most dominant line in the NHL where you had guys – you had two guys over 100 points. You had three 40-goal scorers on the same line. Like, that was – Again, not to repeat the same phrase because I can't. Another one doesn't pop to mind, but that was lightning in a bottle. Like you captured exactly what you needed to with Goudreau, Kachuk, and Lindholm together. And and that's not to say that uh, Huberto, Kadri, and Lindholm again they're not going to combine to each individually score 40 goals and have two of the three guys go over 100 points. But the fact of the matter remains is the Calgary Flames can't score goals right now. So you put the three guys together that are, in theory, your three most potent offensive weapons. And then you wait and see what happens. Uh, guys, I appreciate the stats. May view Kadri to be not bad on a bad offensive team this year, but watch his play. This is one of those cases where the stats don't line up with what's actually happening. Well, I actually think both are true because I take a look at pretty much the whole game against Columbus, first half of the game against Detroit, and chunks of the game against New York, especially the first period against the Rangers. I'm like, geez, Kadri looks like he has been shot out of a cannon. And then maybe as things don't go Calgary's way, his effectiveness wanes a little bit, and some of what Brett's talking about becomes a little bit more apparent. So I actually think it's kind of both things are true in this regard, that he is being more impactful, but you are still, even in some of those games, seeing some of those things that can be frustrating. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. And again, you go surf, you, you watch what you see on the ice, and then if you go take a look at the box score, the fact remains that it's seven games in for Nazem Kadri. It's one assist, and it's minus eight. And to a degree, that lines up largely with what we've seen. But I will agree with you, Pat, that we've seen a better trend out of Nazem Kadri of late. But at the same time, I think that Jonathan Huberto through the first three or four games looked really good, and now he's starting to trend the wrong way. I just think if you can get these three guys together and you can start rolling them into the right direction, whether it's something right. that they feel, feed off each other or if it's something that just happens to click, even just mo like incrementally better than what they've been able to do apart, yep. then it might be a win for the Calgary Flames. Uh, Stu says the Flames can shuffle the deck chairs as much as they want and nothing will change. The bottom line is the team does not have any bona fide scoring. It's the definition of insanity as the team looks and plays no different than last season. Uh, this from Dwayne. Nothing wrong with putting a center on the wing to get things going with Kadri and Lindholm. They did it up with Edmonton all the time with McDavid and Leon when they needed to score. Now, different levels of players, but yes, yes uh, Jay Woodcroft and Dave Tippett have both done that at times. Um, at times, and I mean, they still do it in Edmonton when they need a boost. 
Connor and Leon go together with Nuge or with whomever. Um, Kane, they, Hyman, whomever. Hyman, exactly. Uh, this says, I swear to God, if they actually put Kadri and Huberto together again, come on, it wouldn't be any more clear. They both have no chemistry and don't want to play together. You can't have two guys who want to carry the puck up the ice like that together. You can't have a player... That selfish with the puck, play with a world-class playmaker, it makes no sense at all. Huberdeau needs, Huberdeau needs someone on his line that drives the net and gives him a target with the stick, not a guy who skates into the zone and directly into a defenseman causing a turnover, then sits there complaining to the ref the contact that he initiated. That's from Dylan and Revy. And um, Wedley with some levity. I want to see Jason Jaffrey, Chris Kalanos, and Mike Leclerc as a line. Ooh, those are some... Great forever of flames. Jason Jaffrey, a 13th forward. Chris Kalanos got a call up in the middle of the season from the Abbotsford Heat, I think. Yeah. And Mike LeClaire came over in that trade with the Phoenix Coyotes. Uh, I believe it was him and Philippe Sauvé came over. Phil Sauvé. What, what a pull, Patrick. What a pull. I think that was the trade. Attaboy, Wedley. Um, what else we got here? Um, this says... For me, it's Kadri's body language that says I'm not interested. Um, this says uh, it's way too early for people to go overboard the way they are. Too long a season. Leave some of the line combinations as is and try to get some chemistry between players rather than changing lines every single game. This from Ben in Sadtown. <laughs> Pat, your ability to stay positive is incredible. This season just feels like an extension of last year. It's hard to watch. Um, this says from Rick, it's unlikely to make any difference to put three non-performers on the same line. My bet is line four will outproduce them and 100% certain will outwork them. This from Miro in Calgary. I love the idea of putting Huberto, Kadri, and Lindholm together. Makes sense given, given everything we're witnessing. Let's go pull up your big boy pants. Um... So there's just a few of the texts at 960-960 on the potential of doing that. We will see. We'll see if that's the way they go Thursday night against St. Louis at the Scotiabank Saddledoms. A couple other things to uh, touch on. It, it does it does make you wonder what is going to need to happen for Ryan Huska to, to be comfortable with a set of lines. I mean, obviously, no team rolls out the same 12 every single night. No team rolls out the same top six for 82 games a year. But to have something that's a little bit more reminiscent of a baseball scorecard where you can just set it and forget it would be, I think, what they're looking for. Well, I know that's what they're looking for. What is it just a matter of when the top players get rolling, it becomes that much more easy to kind of set and forget your lineup? Well, I would suggest that scoring more than 2.43 goals per game, and again, they've only gone north of two goals twice in seven games this season. If you're seeing the offensive production, you're probably a little bit more satisfied with just rolling them out game in, game out. The flip side, too, is, is you need to be a little bit better than three, five, seven goals against per game. So, like, this isn't just a scoring issue. It's a uh, not allowing the opposition to score as much as they can. Hey, go figure. You need to score more and you need to allow less, and that will make the coach a little bit more happy and a little bit more satisfied. I think from a non-statistical element, you need to basically see what you're trying to send across as your message translated onto the ice. It's one thing for the coach to talk to the players, try to implement either the system, the strategy, what have you, but you're not comfortable, one, you're never comfortable as a coach, but two, you're especially not comfortable when 
you're trying to lay out the message and perhaps you're not seeing the message reciprocated on the ice. I feel like in terms of what we've seen statistically in terms of their lack of production, giving up too much offensively in terms of goals against, neutral zone play, we can round into that as well. You're just not satisfied. You'll never be satisfied, but you're certainly not satisfied when you see something in your head and you're not seeing it on the ice. Uh, and uh, Adam Rzichka, as we talked about a little bit yesterday, there was optimism on Wednesday that this was not going to be a long-term thing. The The feel that just uh, doing doing a little bit of sniffing around was that, yeah, optimism on the Adam Rzichka front that it's going to be way less serious than it looked when he left the ice in the first period on Tuesday. And and so happy to hear that, that uh, optimism was well-placed. He did take about five or six minutes of the morning skate on Thursday, uh, took a spin, took some shots, did not stay for the whole morning skate, wasn't quite ready to go, but he was almost, as uh, Ryan Huska told us here in the Hot Stove Lounge when he uh, spoke with us after skate today, said basically that, yeah, we thought he had a chance to play tonight against the, the Blues. Uh, wasn't quite ready to go, but does not sound like this is going to be a long-term thing. So uh, glad that that optimism we were telling you about on Wednesday was, was well-placed because that's pretty uh, – imp- they, they don't really have a whole lot of room for another long-term injury to a regular forward. No, they've already been bit a little bit by the injury bug. And to roll this back into the loading up the top line question, I'd feel a lot more comfortable in doing so if you have a guy like Adam Rzichka in your lineup helping round out right. your bottom six because suddenly a line of Rzichka, Dubé, Coronado doesn't sound something out of the realm of what you might try anyways if you're looking for a spark. So if you're able to bring in a guy that's been productive this season, you're not losing him long-term, he's only going to miss a game or two, that's huge for the Calgary Flames right now, both from a personnel standpoint and just simply from a a morale standpoint because you have been hit with so many curveballs so far and we're only seven, eight games in. So the Flames play Thursday night against St. Louis. Then they'll practice Friday morning uh, at uh, the Seven Chiefs Sportsplex. And from there, they will uh, head up to Edmonton. They will get ready for the Heritage Classic in Edmonton. They will play there uh, against the Oilers, obviously in the Heritage Classic on Sunday. They'll practice at 6.30 p.m. on Saturday night to get ready for the game on Sunday, which I think will be very cool. Um, and we've got all kinds of coverage for you on Sunday for the 2023 Tim Hortons NHL Heritage Classic. We've obviously got your traditional one-hour pregame show starting at 4 o'clock, your Flames warm-up pregame show. Derek and Mick will have the call just after 5 o'clock from Commonwealth Stadium. But uh, before that, we've got the big show as well. Uh, Russick and Rose will be at Commonwealth Stadium as well for a special edition of the big show from 2 to 4 on Saturday afternoon. So join them there. All kinds of guests leading up to our pregame show and uh, the big show at the Commonwealth. Uh, let's try that again. The big show at the Heritage Classic is brought to you by Tuxedo Source for Sports. Come see why Calgarians continue to choose them for all things hockey. They're at 2520 Center Street North. Flames Talk is live on Calgary's hockey station. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, time now for a uh, Thursday edition of the Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Get the chance to drive a brand-new GLC 300 with zero down for $1,099 a month. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, minutes from the Calgary Airport. I bet you that GLC 300 is just perfect. 
for these conditions right now. He would love to be in one of those things right now for sure. Uh, it's Steinberg Vickers and now Derek Wills, the voice of the Flames, to complete our Daily Flames roundtable. And, gents, on Wednesday's roundtable, we talked about recalls, but we talked about recalls um, in the forward ranks. But the news is good on Adam Ruzicka. That optimism we talked about on Wednesday ended up being uh, right and, and ended up being well-placed. As he's not going to miss a lot of time, so they don't need to go down the recall road at forward. So instead, guys, they decide to recall a defenseman. Ilya Solovyov was one of the last cuts at training camp. And Derek, uh, Thursday against the Blues, he'll make his NHL debut against St. Louis. Uh, what do we think about Ilya Solovyov getting recalled and getting into the lineup here? Well, it's interesting because when the Flames were behind by a couple of goals on Tuesday night, they leaned on Jordan Osterley to, to help get them back in the game. And I actually thought he did a really good job skating the puck up the ice, trying to get involved offensively. But the knock on him throughout his career is that he hasn't been great defensively. So for me, he's pretty much the polar opposite of Ilya Solovyov, who... Probably isn't going to give you much offensively, but has been really solid defensively since coming to North America. And that's certainly how he uh, played during training camp in the preseason. I was really impressed with him. Uh, I thought that uh, he was pushing to be one of the guys on this roster. They went with the two veteran guys and Dennis Gilbert and Jordan Osterley. But I thought Ilya Solovyov was, was next in line for the Flames. So he's uh, earned an opportunity to come up. And you know, the Flames have struggled a little bit in the defensive zone. And as much as they have to score at the other end, they've got to keep the puck out of the net at their end as well. And they're hoping that uh, he can help them do that. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly, Derek. For me, he was one of those training camp standouts, one of those kids that stepped up. And we heard a lot about how there would be opportunity. It didn't quite make sense to keep him up at, at the start of the season for me because he was probably that number seven guy. And when you're 23 years old, you don't want to be sitting in the press box watching. You're much better off spending 25 minutes a night in the American Hockey League. And lo and behold, Rasmus Anderson gets a suspension. He's still out for two more games. And suddenly that number seven probably elevates to a number six. And and you're right, Joe Norstley got an opportunity to get back into the lineup. And I didn't necessarily love some of the things I saw him. And again, you're right in the sense that as much as the Calgary Flames haven't scored, they need to focus on keeping the pucks out of the net as well. I think Solovyov helps them do that. And word around the Wranglers last season is they were really impressed with the steps that Ilya was taking. And we saw that again through training camp. And then again, we've seen that continue into the season with the Wranglers this year where he's been one of those guys that's been reliable. And you know what? He didn't make the team. And guess what? No sulking, no pouting. Go about your business. Your opportunity is going to come. Here it is. And, and just listening to him talk this morning, you can't help but be excited for him and his family. The... Uh... I think it's interesting. I, I wondered about whether or not they would go down the recall road with a defenseman prior to the Rizicka injury um, and just wondered if, you know, coming back at home, they obviously weren't going to go down the recall road for the Detroit game, which was the first game of Rasmus's suspension, uh, just because you're far away, end of a road trip, Osterley's been with you the entire time, just makes sense, and Osterley's a Detroit guy, just made sense to put him into that game. You come back and, and you decide to go with the same six Again, wasn't necessarily uh, bad, but, you know, maybe looking for a little bit of a change. And I thought it was interesting what Ryan Huska said in his news conference. And then Derek, even with us, when we were listening to him on the coaches show for pregame on Thursday night and hearing him talk about 
Yeah, this, this is a guy that we also like what he brings for this specific matchup against St. Louis. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a big guy. He's a heavier guy. And, and so maybe that can combat and fit well with the opponent they have on their hands for Solovyov's debut. So I'm really happy for him. They've made, they've made very, very clear that they want to give young players more opportunity this year. They've made very clear that they want to be a little younger overall. And Matt Coronado is the first example of, of getting that opportunity. He's been an everyday player to start the season, and now there was a window to recall a player like Solovyov, and, and he'll get his first opportunity. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, he's got good size, so uh, I am looking forward to seeing him as well. I had a ch- chance to chat with him one-on-one after he was done with uh, his fairly large media scrum this morning. And guys, he was absolutely vibrating oh, yeah. with excitement. Yeah. I got excited about tonight's game, talking to him about tonight's game and about uh, him making his NHL debut. And, you know, at at times he got emotional during our conversation. And I I remember thinking back to before my first NHL game as a broadcaster, not as a player, of course, and how in my mind I was thinking about all the people who helped me get there. So I asked him that question. Have you thought about all the people who helped you get here? And he got a little welled up i'm not gonna lie which was actually awesome to see talking about his mom and his dad who are going to be watching the game back in belarus so i'm excited to see the kid and you know what this is a flames team that could probably use uh, an infusion of energy i think he's going to give them to him tonight yep yeah and you you hope to a degree that it's not nervous you can have nervous energy as long as you channel it the right way but he's a guy that's going to excel if he's able to stay within his own game and he's going to be able to provide the Calgary Flames a steady presence on the back end he's not going to be an end-to-end type guy he's not going to pull anybody out of the seat other than probably the family that's there to watch him uh, he had two points in four games this season with the Wranglers including his first goal in his last game I believe 18 points in 80 or in 68 games last season so he's not going to be an offensive juggernaut but that's not why he's here that's not why the Calgary Flames have been impressed with him and his growth from what a sixth round pick seventh round seventh pick. round pick five years ago at this point 2018, uh, 2020 2020 yeah i'm so glad you're here to help me with all the fact checking his progression from being literally a last round pick to making his nhl debut has been incredible and you're right just just observing him do his media today like kids vibrating and mm-hmm. that sort of thing radiates and we heard all at the tail end of last season when pelche was up when coronado came up how that young, youthful energy can be injected into the lineup and it radiates through the 18 guys that are going to be in the lineup, we could very well see that tonight with his debut. Creates a little more internal competition, at least for the time being as well, with Rasmus Anderson out. uh, You've got two guys battling to be that number six defenseman. So uh, I think this, in a way, is also a message to Jordan Osterley that uh, they'd like him to be maybe a a little bit uh, safer out there. Daily Flames Roundtable with Derek, Aaron, and Pat on this Thursday Flames Talk. Uh, chime in on this topic, Wilsey. You were uh, you were sitting here and listening while we were talking about this earlier this hour. The whole idea about loading up the top line for the Flames. Nazem Kadri, Jonathan Huberdeau, Elias Lindholm. We don't know if that's what they're going to do against the Blues, but it just... Based on morning skate where they did not show lines, it just a lot of us were wondering, are they going to do that? They went that way a good chunk of the third period Tuesday against the Rangers, and they were color-coordinated in terms of their jerseys uh, at morning skate. It just everybody's kind of got their eyes raised as to whether or not that's going to end up being the case. If they do go that way, how do you feel about the, uh, the theory behind it? I don't love it, to be honest. I mean... This is a Flames team without 
a generational player. They've got some really good players. They've got some guys who I would consider to be stars when they're right. But they don't have a generational guy. So for me, this Flames team will be successful if they can beat teams with and without generational players with their depth by rolling four lines, by rolling three pairings, by using two or three goaltenders. And for me, the strength of this team should be their goaltending, their defense. Now, right now, they're, they're banged up. And their centermen. When you can stack Elias Lindholm, Nazem Kadri, and Michael Backlund, that should give you an advantage on almost every team in this league down the middle. It hasn't worked out that way in the first seven games of the season, but theoretically, that's, that's supposed to be one of the strengths of this Flames team. Now, I get it. If, if they do go down that road tonight, for me, it's about trying to get two or three of their top guys going. I think Elias Lindholm has been good. I think he can be better probably with some help from his wingers, but he's got six points in seven games, so he hasn't been bad. They got to get Jonathan Huberdeau going again. Got off to a pretty good start this season, four points in the first four games, hasn't had one in the last three, and they've really got to get Nazem Kadri going. He's certainly had his chances in the last few hockey games. I thought he really struggled early in the season. He had seven shots on goal in the first four games, and for a guy who likes to have the puck on his stick and likes to shoot it and is a shoot first guy not a pass first guy yeah that that stat was alarming but 15 shots in the last three games so I do think he's trending in the right direction starting to create some chances and maybe the floodgates will open when the puck goes into the net but I don't like having two of your top three centermen playing on the same line now to your point earlier Aaron it does give you the advantage of a left-handed face-off man in Kadri and a right-handed face-off man in Lindholm being able to take draws on their strong side when they're out there together. But down the road, I still think stacking those guys up the middle, Lindholm, Kadri, and Backlund, that's the best look for the Flames, especially going up against teams like the Oilers. And I do wonder about that for Sunday and for the Heritage Classic. If McDavid doesn't play... Maybe the Flames can get away with Lindholm and Kadri being on the same line. If he does, I wouldn't want them playing together. I would want to have those three guys uh, to potentially go head-to-head with him and Drysaddle. Yeah, you raise a, a really good point, and I'm just going to reiterate that the, I agree with you that the strength should be goaltending defense and down the middle, and that's in theory. In practice, we haven't necessarily seen that down-the-middle thing translate, and I agree with you. I don't think this is something that I would go to for the remaining 75 games of the season. But for a shorter term period of three, five, ten games to try and get some of these yeah. players right, it's something I'm willing to experiment with because, to be perfectly honest, what, what, do you, what else do you have to lose? You've got one guy that's got one point in seven games. You've got one guy that's probably been pointless in his past three, and they're, they're your two highest paid forwards. And then you layer in Elias Lindholm, who will join that group, hypothetically, if he re-signs with the Calgary Flames as the highest paid, in, in that threesome of highest paid He'll players. Be second. He'll be second. Get them going. That's your key. You have enough support underneath, I think, in the short term with the Backlund, Coleman, Mangiapane line, and even the fourth line with Greer, Sharon, Goetsch, Dewar, if that's where they opt to go, and then layering in a potential, if Ruzichka's healthy, Dubé, Coronado trio. I'm comfortable with that bottom six enough to try this experiment over a 3-5-10 game stretch. I, I just, I've always very much subscribed to where you are, Derek, that 
you know, having that depth down the middle with those three guys is a real nice thing to have if everybody is is rolling. Mm-hmm. And right now, Kadri has been better, but the points aren't there, and the, the production isn't there. And as much as the chances and the shots are good, they need him to produce. They obviously need Huberdo to produce as well, even though he's not a center. Him being the leading scorer or one of the top scorers on this team is absolutely integral. So because their big guns aren't firing right now, it's not as much of a strength to have those guys one, two, three. And you need to get all three of those top players in Huberto, Kadri, and Lindholm playing well. So all of last year, as I said earlier this hour, all of last year I was very much against them loading up. Well, here they are struggling offensively again. And for this team's depth to be a strength, they also need the guys who are at the top of the depth chart to be leading the way. And while they're not, the depth isn't anywhere near as much of a strength. So for me, I'm, I'm with Vix for a shorter period of time. If this helps get Kadri and yeah. Huberdo more productive, then I think it's worth it. If it doesn't, well, you you know that you can go away from it. And I think you'll know pretty early on if if it's going to work or if it isn't going to work. But I think it's worth it to give it try, give it a try for the first time. I'm I'm on board with them going down this road. Yeah, and maybe you take a little bit uh, of responsibility off of Nazem Kadri's plate by playing him on the wing. Yep. We've talked a lot about uh, the Flames' a new way of playing in the defensive zone, going from playing man-on-man to playing zone. And, and Ryan Huska and others have said that there's a lot on the plate of the centermen with, with the way they want to play. Mm-hmm. So maybe if you take a little bit of that off of Kadri's plate, it, it frees him up offensively a little bit. As we talked about post-game on Tuesday, guys, if your best players aren't your best players pretty consistently – it is tough to win in this parity-filled league. And if your scorers aren't scoring, it's, it's tough to win. It's tough to score enough goals to win in this league. And I'll leave you the, with this very interesting stat. So there are six players in the NHL who have zero goals on 20 or more shots. Two of them are flames. So I know these guys haven't been their best, but I would also argue they haven't had a lot of puck luck either. Those two guys are Michael Backlund and Nazem Kadri. Do you know who the other four guys are? No. Hit me with it. It's going to surprise you. Matthew Kachuk, Roman Yossi, Johnny Gaudreau, and Scott Lawton, who is uh, kind of the black sheep of that group of players. But, I mean, we're talking about some good to great players here who have had a lot of shots and have not scored a single goal so far this season. Mm -hmm. So... Flames aren't the only team kind of fighting it offensively right now. That's kind of a uh, a lot of Flames connections on that one. I'm going to yeah. just quickly go, and I'm going to number the lines just based on simplicity. Lindholm line number one, Kadri line two, Backlund line number three. Of the top six, I haven't seen a grouping of three that have really hit it off the charts in terms of chemistry. And I think that's... Other probably, than the Backlund line? Well, I'm, yeah, I'm saying top six. I'm, oh, okay. I'm unfairly gotcha. labeling the Backlund line as, a, as the third line in this scenario, just for simplicity's sake. And that's probably the biggest reason why I'd be so willing to try this, is because any other combination of your Lindholm line and your Kadri line haven't really hit. So why not mix it up even a little bit more? 
That's your Daily Flames Roundtable. Derek Wills, Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. As we start to wrap things up this hour on Flames Talk, thanks to Cam, Taylor, and Azam back at the studio for uh, taking us through this hour of Flames Talk as well. Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you, as always, by our friends at Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Book your winter detail package today for $349. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, minutes from the Calgary Airport.